Welcome to Spaghetti Launchers, or wielding podcast where we throw spaghetti at the wall and it's up to you what sticks. Each episode, we go in-depth on an element of fictional world, breaking it down, developing unique examples live on the fly to give you ideas you can copy, steal, or be inspired by. Whether you're a writer, a GM, or an all-around nerd goblin, Isaac Newton's homunculus. Just looking to indulge your imagination. We've got you covered. I'm Kyle. I'm Ethan. I'm exhausting, Kyle. <laughs> You've had COVID for a week. Uh, and on this episode, we'll be discussing immortality, which would not affect you if you had COVID. Or wait, if you had COVID, it wouldn't affect you. So there. Mm, nope. Nope. Something immortality makes you <laughs> immune to COVID, which well, I guess it, it wouldn't make you immune to disease. That's the dark part is that like you could get immune. You could be immortal and still get every disease. I mean, that's the terrifying part of, um, oh, what was the name of that movie? Uh, it was the first Dragon Ball Z movie. It came out years ago, Dead Zone, when okay. uh, Garlic Jr. finally does actually get... His name is Garlic? His name is Garlic, yes. Wow, that's a that's a name. You, you know Vegeta was named after the word vegetable, right? That doesn't surprise me. Like, yeah, so yeah. just let Akira do what Akira's going to do. Anyway, the point is, Garlic Jr. gets his wish. He wishes for eternal life from the dragon. He gets it, and then immediately gets slammed into like a black hole by Piccolo and Goku and trapped there. So he's immortal, just tumbling through darkness yeah, forever. There was, there was a, um, a pretty atrocious movie on Netflix called The Old Guard with Charlize Theron. Um, that was like, I saw that I was very into it for the first like 15 minutes. Yeah, but there was like her friend who's immortal was like put in an Iron Maiden, which aren't actually used in history, but they're put in one of those Iron Maidens and dumped into the ocean so they can't yeah. break out and they're just dying over and over again. Like, over and horrible. over and yeah. over again. Like that's so, hell. These are like the more interpersonal or they, the, these are the more personal stakes of immortality, but we want to talk about it from the perspective of what does it actually mean for a world if you have immortality on the table? Because there's the obvious one of like the one individual who is seeking immortality, who's the evil guy, the necromancer, the lich. The lich is a classic example of just a, a a single being is seeking immortality and is fucking shit up because that's what happens when you're an evil lich. Looking at it from a was Voldemort a lich? Yeah, because he has phylacteries. Got, oh yeah, he that's true. Yeah, good call. Okay, cool. Yeah, anyway, continue. Yeah, a lich being defined by their soul is trapped. Is like split into multiple things and you have to kill all the all the things at once to kill the lich because otherwise yeah, so he very can... much was a lich then yes exactly so uh, yeah, he's a lich with seven flactories so that's pretty fucking cool that's yeah. a lot of flactories he's um, okay, so thinking about immortality first thing i'm thinking about is population so looking at like tolkien's elves right and i don't and i don't know if he explains this at some point in somewhere in the Wuthering's lore i don't recall seeing it ever but they're like why do they only have like why don't they have more kids basically right well if you're immortal why aren't they just fucking yeah or is it is it just like a tiny window in your immortal life where you could choose to have children and then because if you are immortal and you are fucking for your entire immortal existence i feel like a slip up might happen at some point and you'd have an accident and have you're having kid. thousands of kids yeah so what's going on there? That's a question to consider. Uh, sure. And maybe maybe it's that you are immortal, but you're only able to have children in like a small window at the beginning of your life. Like yeah. the first 50 years, you're fertile for life, for having children. And then after that, no. Or maybe it's the kind of thing where you become immortal, but afterwards you are infertile, right? That's been done. Mm. That. I think that's the way it worked in the Highlander series. I think that's also the way it worked in Anne Rice's uh, mythology and Rice's world dealing with her vampires. I think they were incapable of giving birth. I remember it was that stuck out to me because it was very weird to me when I found out that vampires in Twilight could have kids because I'm like, well, they're dead. Yeah. That so work. how how that how that do? Well, how'd that happen? I don't understand. I had promised on a previous episode of this show we would never talk about Twilight ever again. But here we are talking about Twilight. You, you promised. I never promised any such thing. That's true. But, you know, I'm, I'm moving on from Twilight. You, know? you are the sunrise. 
I'm, you are my, you are my sunshine. sunshine. <laughs> my only sunshine. Okay, but you could do the the infertility thing. What if it was instead that every being is immortal in this world, and you choose it, 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 make it all about? Oh, hang choice. on, hang on. Quick, quick pause. Quick pause. I want to make sure that we're being clear and distinguishing between immortal and like there there have to be conditions on immortality right are yes, you immortal but... in that you can never literally never die like if someone blows your head yes. off it grows okay. back or are you just immortal barring someone like killing this, you yeah are you talking immortal where like if um like you won't die of old age or disease but if someone stabs you you will die you still so, die right like i the, think we gotta think, define this i think i don't think we do for the purposes of this conversation we can hold that in stasis and it's up to the individual world i think we can talk about both implications for so, like sometimes it, it will matter but i think in some of these cases it won't necessarily matter oh for sure so but just I, I just before we get into it i want to maybe up front we say that we're noting that those are two options here and yeah. it's up to you in your world which one you're doing yeah for right now i'm, I'm gonna kind of hand wave a bit around that a bit just to get to the, the meat let's do so it on so if it becomes about choice if you haven't watched The Good Place, everyone should watch The Good Place. It's phenomenal. It's been out for a few years, so spoiler alert is incoming for the end. But like they get to The Good Place, they are they have a choice to to end their immortality. And I think that is really important as like, uh, or I think that's a really cool idea for world building is to make it, if everybody's life is immortal, we go through time as inevitable. What right. if, and we go through stages of life as inevitable, like the time frame where you are fertile to have children is finite and it's inevitable. But what if, if you're immortal, everything is a choice. You choose when you exit childhood. Mm -hmm. You choose when you exit adolescence. That's you interesting. Choose, you choose when you have children in that you could, however you want to do it, you can make it so that it is like an on-off switch of, if you are 50 years old, you can choose to, I, I'm going to have a child this year, boom, right. and then you turn it off. And then at, at 2,722 years old, you say, I actually want a child again. Uh, and then boom, you, you do that and it happens. Now, if we're assuming the, the version where you can die from physical wounds, right? I'm going to go with, with, with a notion of a world where the population of this immortal race is declining much mm. like Tolkien's elves. Mm. Uh, and maybe it's, there was a war, there was a disaster, there was a lot of death. Sure. And so they have to repopulate. So everyone just says, everybody have a kid within the next three years. We need to get our, our population back up. So everybody just does that. And, and like you have people who are 10,000 years old going, okay, I haven't done this in a while, but I guess I'll have another kid. And then they just choose to have another kid. And it creates this like this almost like um, a very communal vibe, very communal approach to population control and population like survival of of any species is like the basis instinct can you imagine those kids like just the therapy that they would need what would they though you being raised by an by an immortal but you're immortal. but you're an immortal everyone you know is immortal it, you are bringing, talking, you're bringing I'm, Ethan's perspective. If you grow up in that society, that's not fucking weird. That's normal. I'm not saying that it's weird. I'm saying that it's, you're just a child surrounded by super fucking depressed people all day long. That's not great. Yeah. Well, you're assuming that they're depressed. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Why do they have to be depressed? Because I just assume that's the logical. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? So you doing tired. okay? I'm so tired. <laughs> okay, but like, look at like Tolkien's elves. Aside from like the whole Sauron and Morgoth and all of the Dark Lords, they seem like pretty chill. Otherwise, they seem to be having a good time. I don't know why it's not true. They 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 are kind of. They're kind of they're weary. They're super. I'm like, no, no they're not. They're yeah. they're not out fucking partying. They're no. super zonked out. But but it's also like his elves are very stoic and not very emotional. They are. Well, because the point of the elves for him are not necessarily really to be characters, right? Like the point for them is to be more keepers of history and, and provide a perspective on the world that guides humankind. Yeah, fair enough. 
So I think I think that's something also it's important to think through is that like it, not just what would this group of people be like, but what role do they play in your world? Because, you know, one of our mutually favorite Matt Colville videos is the one where he talks about the time abyss when um, uh, in the first in fellowship, when Frodo finds out that Elrond was the squire of Gilgalad and it's like 5,000 years old. You're like, holy shit, you're 5,000 years old. And then suddenly you have to explain away these incredibly long-lived people you have to figure out why the hell they are not in political power and not staying in political power why are they not just running absolutely everything and furthermore if they're so long-lived and if they're so powerful particularly if they're the type of immortal that cannot die why aren't they stopping bad things from happening yeah well in in a world that i built several years ago um for nothing i did nothing with it i threw it away but uh one of the the core elements was that and taking the traditional elf of like they just live a long time and i was yeah. it, it was for D, so it was like oh these these elves live to to about 750 years old to a thousand got it yeah so i said okay well it would make perfect sense in any world that they are in charge because right. they have the wisdom of that much time they are also there to to follow through on things they are able, they're able to see out any project because that's right. one of the weird things of like if you look at especially in like fantasy worlds the project the progress is really slow usually like and i mean it's up to you if you're world building you can just you could say progress is happening really fast but these rulers if you have a ruler that's been on for a lot longer one it it, it kind of cuts some corners for you on like the history of rulers if you're really getting into that you yeah know, instead of having to, to like be like oh well if you really want to like have a all the the histories laid out you're like i we, i have to come up with like the past 18 monarchs and it's like well what if you just had to do one because they've been alive for 700 years like, oh yeah. that's pretty sweet and then you have that person has baked in a lot more tension and intrigue because they've just been around for a long time and I, I was, love that. And in the in that thinking that I was having at the time was that society and like normal people and like humans who have a much more mortal life would be very okay with it because they're kind of like, yeah, well, they're already in power. They're doing a pretty good job because the elves are just they have to keep living with the consequences. So they're they're the the real check on power are the elves because they're the ones who have to keep hanging around with it. And the humans are like, well, they're doing a pretty good job because I would assume that you would have pretty good governance in that scenario because like your greed can't last for very long. Like a lot of like shitty government happens in the real world because people like life is ending in, you know, a hundred years at at max. So have a, have a good time. Yeah. But if that's not the case, you're probably going to want things to just be smoother across the boards. There's less headache. Right. So that you don't have to deal with it, because that's the other thing is that if you're stuck there forever, you are stuck there forever. And if people revolt or strike and particularly if you do not have the military or magical power to put them down quickly, you're right. Like, Like imagine the pain of paperwork that you would have to do as an immortal ruler if people got upset. Wait, what? I don't understand. No, I'm saying it, it, I use paperwork, but I was piggybacking on your point of it being a headache to yeah. not keep things going smoothly. Yes. Yeah, it, it'd be an unnecessary headache because you've got to live with the consequences for the next, you know, forever. One element of immortality that is, int- I, I, I like the, how do we think about and deal with population size? I also we've touched on rulers and kind of the role of them as keepers of history, but I could also very much see a role, a, a, a role for them where if they cannot be killed or if they have lived such a long time where they have built up not just historical knowledge, but think of the the skills that, you know, if we take the, the 10,000 hours to master a task or master something, my God, these people could master anything. So you could In have theory, them. Yeah. You could have them being T 
teachers. You could have them making up the entire armed forces. You know, if you, you, you know, um, well, uh, I'm, I'm remembering back into the, the Persian, the Persian army had the immortals, right. And that wasn't just made up for 300. Those were real. Those were, um, those were like armored troops with full face masks. So you could not tell who was who. So yeah, it did look like they just lived forever. So you could do something like that. It's a really interesting way to get around or put different perspectives on these things that we actually spend a lot of time trying to figure out explanations for, but also that we also try and figure out ways to explain in world or in story. And suddenly, if you've got an immortal, just like Tolkien did, you have got someone who has been there, seen it, and can explain everything for you. Okay, so I, I have some noodles and something that you said in there about the mastery of craft. And mostly... Mm. Regarding like people are going to master their craft, surely. But I, again, watch The Good Place uh, season four for a lot of inspiration on this idea. But eventually you're going to get bored. So if you've got a world totally. of immortals who are all masters of their crafts, but no one wants to do any of them. So they're all moving on. So you have a bunch of people who are probably being amateurish. And this is somewhat in con like what, I'm, what I was talking about before with like the ruling uh, being like really effective by these elves. That was where they do have a cap of they right. are dying at like 800, 900, whatever. Got it. Got it. If got they're it. immortal, they might be good for that first thousand years. They're right. really enjoying it. And then you just get apathy. Yeah. And absolutely. And like you, you made the comment about like they're all depressed. And yeah. it's like, this is, I think, probably where you were coming from with that is that like, yeah, you'd probably have a pretty apathetic and sad in society because they have like no thrill nothing to live for per se and i think that's where you have to kind of think outside the box of we are we are looking at it from the perspective of a human what what are human needs what are humans emotions i think the like tolkien's elves work really well in that they they're more muted emotions are somewhat immunizing them from mm. the boredom that you would inevitably have with a long life. So look at someone like um, the the Vulcans in Star Trek. Right. Spock. Like, very logical, very emotionally numb. That is a good measure to keep a, a society, to keep a civilization that is immortal from eating itself. From going crazy. Interesting. So you could even have it, if you wanted to go that route, maybe there is something where, let's say, becoming an, let's, um, uh, some noodles, you know, this is a world where you can choose to become an immortal. You are not necessarily born that way. Mm. But, but doing so, the ritual that does it purges you of your emotion, particularly if if you want to take the 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 lich side where it's like you're literally pulling your soul out of yourself. So your consciousness is still there, but maybe like your 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 heart and your emotions and everything gets pulled out of it. And that is what makes it possible for you to endure eternity. Interesting. You could have that be a way to to make there be a, a cost benefit to immortality right yeah very similar to in the world of the vampires or, or and rice they go on and 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 on about how damned they are and they're damned and we're going to hell and this that and the other and that's kind of the whole like that self-torture is a huge portion of a lot of her books giving making there be a cost to immortality even one that you know going into gives you the opportunity to make it to make the immortal people much more dynamic and almost tragic figures in their own right in their world so that if yes you're purging your emotion you are also giving a reason for why they are such good leaders or such good teachers or such good everything because that's the only way they can in like i said endure eternity the notion that it is a choice to become immortal is interesting and i don't know that in of itself i think we can unpack a little bit more but when you were talking about it i was like thinking if you have everybody choosing if you have people who are choosing to be mortal and their emotion their their emotions their emotions are now sucked out of their body 
probably if I'm not immortal yet, I'm going to look at that and go, I don't know that I want that existence. Because especially if you grow up around those immortals, if, like see the people who have gone to the, the immortal phase, you're probably not going to be super like mm, emotionally attached good, to them. That's a good point. It's almost going to scare off people. You, and you might, so you might have like waves where some people, there's like a generation that just completely doesn't do it because they had all the immortals and then the immortals actually oh. probably choose to bail because things are, you know, just different. I don't know. Like the, what if it's, the demographics what if it's are like, going to play out weird. What if it's like after every natural disaster, you see a spike in childbirth because it makes people like value life. What if after every war, natural disaster, you see a spike in immortality rates? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I guess it would also depend on what your personality was, because if you went from being a flamboyant, very extroverted, like over the top personality, and then you went into the immortality personality, which is basically nothing or just really muted, like and you strip away what made you you. Do you want that? Maybe it depends on if you value, you know, I could see someone if you are lonely if there's no one else around already if you are a super particularly obsessed scientist might want to see you're lonely why would you do happens. it though if you're lonely you wouldn't want to live forever you'd be more alone no but then you'd be entering into a community of other immortals we're talking a lot about the demographics this like the social side of things right i'm curious what do we think is happening elsewhere in the what, what what do politics look like? What are the economic impacts of immortality to economics? Because would you be hoarding or would you not care? Because it I think like, I think that depends on your personality. I can actually I can actually see there being a be two camps. Yeah, I can see there being two camps and I can see there being very much a a divide which we've seen in in vampire media before between the selfish and the and the altruistic where there are immortals who are helping mortals craft laws to protect their investments and make sure that they are not subject to the whims of the immortals because you're right otherwise why why would they and then or how would they protect themselves um, but I could also then see a group of people that say we are clearly superior. Why is anyone, the, the humans, the mortals, the whatever should be bowing to us? Okay. Yeah. That is really interesting. And I don't want to step on the toes of the vampire literature that already exists. But what if what you're saying here is when there's the humans there? Well, what if there's no, what if everybody's immortal? Everybody's in the same boat. Because then I'm thinking about it and I'm like, yeah, the altruists versus the 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 selfish ones, that's a really interesting conflict. And I think it would be really fun to watch. I mean, it's basically just modern politics, but yeah. that would be really yeah. interesting to watch in that situation. Who is providing the material for the selfish ones to hoard, to collect? Eventually you run out is your point. Exa yeah, exactly. Because who's going to satiate them? If, if not themselves, are they going to become, maybe they're not so much, maybe they are selfish, but they're not lazy. They are, mm. a, they are industrious. If literally everybody's immortal, though, that's when you get to the point of population control being very important, or at least answering that question being yeah. very important. And so maybe it's. As you said, maybe that, it's I'm, something there, you know, you could build something in very easy. Like you said, there's it's a choice thing or maybe it's yes, we are immortal. But as a result of that, our pregnancy periods last a thousand years. And so it just takes oh a God. very long time to produce a child. That's fucked up. Yeah, it's I, dark, why are you doing that to women? How dare you? Whoever said it was women that was getting pregnant. That's yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. In this, if they're immortal, everybody's getting pregnant, baby. Maybe seahorses. Right. Yeah. To, to make it be whatever you want to be. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe, maybe, maybe it's, it's eggs. Endless. Maybe it's eggs. Maybe it's a stork. Maybe there's just a giant stork. Maybe there's a giant dragon stork who flies through and just delivers babies every year. Do whatever maybe, you want, man. Maybe. I like the dragon stork idea, though. Dragon stork. The dork. The, the dork. The dork. <laughs> the dork delivers babies. The dork delivers. I, I love it. It's um, like a bad porno name. I don't know. Is it bad? Or okay. great. Yeah, it's a great porno name. It's a great porno name. <laughs> uh, we will be selling the rights to that 
we have to the highest bidder. We have the receipts. It's on our podcast. But like I, as you were saying, I was thinking very darkly about the notion of the the selfish immortals in this scenario in order to have more labor might be having more children and just trying to basically like you know very capitalist we're gonna have more children we're gonna indoctrinate you to say we produce things we do whatever and then you continue and you basically just have a story that is late stage capitalism of they're doing this and then you have the the people out in out in the forest just having a great old time the the hobbit esque lifestyle which is i guess somewhat of a theme of lord of the rings as well as like the industrial versus the very right. like uh the rural roots but when you have immortality you let that play out over a longer period of time does it have any difference no it probably doesn't, probably doesn't change much it's probably the same basic i think it's probably the same basic story in the end and i'm now that we're talking about it i'm actually thinking it's it i envision more than just the two camps i think there would be some capitalists or some people that stayed in politics some some machiavellian jackass who's just got their fiefdom and are are ruling it with an iron fist mm-hmm. i think we probably see a lot of people just thrill seekers living life on the edge yeah bungee jumping testing the limits of their immortality just to see where it goes just for shits and giggles i think they're probably doing a lot of drugs if they exist because it doesn't matter they're just living a purely hedonistic lifestyle probably um, yeah very much akin to what was it um brothers karmazov where it's you know if god is dead is not if not if, if god is dead is not everything legal if there are literally no consequences for your actions what are you're gonna do whatever you can do right that's why i think that concept of consequences of still like okay maybe you can't die but you could break your legs yeah and i think i think we talked about this in another episode once upon a time um i think it was gods of death we may have discussed this to a degree but i think it is i I think it's really interesting if it's if it's you're immortal but you're not invulnerable right yes there's two different things like you can be injured you can take a hit you can you can be you can bleed out like nor nearly yeah You, you can feel pain you're not like you just can't die and you can do it as again back to the beginning of this conversation of like is it you can die from mortal wounds or you literally can't die at all that's that's an open question i'm thinking i'm leaning more towards like i'm using in my head more you could die physically but you're not going to die of old age right thus like war isn't is on the table because if, if if everybody's immortal and invulnerable then it's just like it's uninteresting honestly it's as the, a world it's the reason why people often say that superman is a very boring character yeah there's no stakes so if your entire world is that like what are you doing there what's right. this what story can you tell in that world that is engaging that's a real challenge and if you're doing that in like an rpg campaign that's fucking stupid because <laughs> your your players are just gonna it's gonna be miserable so right. I but think that's, that's just... but that's why the old guard was interesting because it did attempt to address that. I think yeah. it was a poorly made movie, but I thought the the questions it answered or was asking was was interesting, right? Like that's yeah. why yes, they were immortal, they couldn't be killed, but they still even though they weren't vampires and afraid of the sunlight, they still had reason to be very afraid of mortals. Because yeah. arguably getting caught in that scenario like you said in the the iron maiden scenario that's arguably worse than death oh god it it haunts me when i think about that i'm like that's the most fucked up thing i've ever seen in a movie because it's the thought experiment of what that what that experience would be like is just so miserable and i think yeah if, if you have a small number of people who are immortal and invulnerable that is interesting small number if but if you're doing a, a whole world not so much. And if you have a small number, um, watch The Old Guard. It is interesting world building from that perspective. It's just a bad movie. I, I have a phrase in my head. If you can live forever, you can die forever. Okay. So I'm thinking I'm going a different direction with um, getting a new pot out. I'm going to, I'm changing out the noodles. We're getting, going, we're getting linguine or something. 
I want to. I want to talk. About some, about, how about how about we go? Uh, how about we go Chinese today? How about some dan dan noodles? Okay, so the religion side of things, because in talking about this, I think it would be not crazy for anybody to say they wouldn't have religion because they live forever. They don't. There's no afterlife that's really yeah. building for them. I'm going to go with a different direction and say I think it'd be really interesting if the world had strong religious thinking that they believe that they're immortal because of a god Mm. and thus that's very cool yeah okay so i'm thinking two things one that they think they're immortal because of a god and they like the immortality like because we've talked about it more like the negatives but it can also just be a world where everybody's like fuck yeah this is so cool i love that i can just live forever or you take the same survival instinct we have and they just assume that this is like they're they're instinctively wanting to live forever. That's just mm. in their DNA. Is again, we're coming as with this from this to this as humans, we have our own preconceived notions. If you're the one yeah. to get out of your own head, they might want to live forever and don't have any of the downsides we see. No, I think that's I I, I want to stay there. I want to keep I want to keep eating this bowl for a hot second because I think that's really cool because I think that also is very reflective i mean imagine we see this in real world where when people are lost and feeling out of control which yes being immortal could make you feel very much in control of everything but also you're completely out of control you have no say over your own life at a certain point right over the over the terms on which you live and so religion would be a very natural reaction to, well, this gives this eternity meaning for me mm-hmm. in some way. And I could see it being a very specific, very esoteric religion that is completely foreign to all the non-immortals. Yeah, you know, How do you conceptualize that? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> That's hard to do. Yeah. It, it can be one of those, one of those religions where people... We see it in fiction where someone's where like you interact with somebody and they're just they say some religious thing and you get no more detail and you never get and you don't have to yeah. build it out. You just it is like the people experiencing the world are also confused by it. Right. And you call it a day. They just say some oh, strange my favorite phrase. thing. Morality that nobody else understands. Yeah. This is a struggle that I think I always see in like sci-fi and anyone generating uh, like new species is that our the limitations of our imagination are real and our ability to imagine intelligent life or something like or the ability to imagine what it would be like to be immortal because we can never achieve that. Right. That holds us back in our imagination. So it's almost just you have to somewhat take a cop out and say it's just a it's an esoteric thing. it's wholly unknowable it's wholly unknowable i'm finding my brain drawn to i'm almost done with mass effect 3 i'm thinking weirdly a lot about samara right now the the companion from mass effect 2 who was the asari justicar she's like a paladin in space essentially and incredibly basically yeah like dedicated to her cause and just goes around you know justice all that and but but then you also find out that the reason she did this was because her her daughters were born with this curse. They're, they're evil for for people, right? The they were Ardat Yakshi, evil Asari, basically, and so that inspired her to go and live out in the in the universe. And I could see that being, I could see that being a very interesting way to design. A people or a religion where you have a cause that is eternal, right? And if oh, you are okay. yeah. given, if you are part of this church, the church of never ending light, then you have a mission to complete. And maybe uh-huh. that mission is hard to understand for anyone that's not immortal. Like your mission is truly out there to end suffering. What okay. the? fuck does that mean okay i have two comments on this uh, i like where we're going first of all i think if you want another example of like the immoral the immorals with, with a mission the, the tolkien elves are exactly that gladriel's whole thing like go watch rings of power it's an interesting version of this of like 
we are here to stop the evil from Morgoth and Sauron. That is our whole thing. We 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 cannot be done until that's done. So that's a like a perfect example that already exists and is great. I I love the notion of the people like chose to become immortal. Like the whole people, like the entire species mm. becomes immortal to serve its mission. So it was the church of never ending light. As you say that, I'm like, that's interesting. The phrasing of it specifically, and I'm going to take it into a different direction to say that they are not about ending suffering. They worship the sun, the never ending light of the sun. Sure. They, their, their religious tenant says they must make sure they are all there for the end of that sun. They can't leave until the sun dies. Mm-hmm. So their immortality is tied towards uh, an event that is w- without. And so they are immortal and they sit there and they wait until it's done. And then you have so you have this entire people that is s- split on how they respect how they spend that time. But they are there. They all they are all like religiously fanatically believe in this church never ending light about about being there for the sun. But the way they choose to spend their time is up to them. And some of them go off into the world and intermingle and find that enjoyable is a good way to pass the time, essentially. And some are able to just basically hibernate and enter like a vegetative state, you know, like like a deep meditation. There's like you can go up into the mountains and find many of them just in a deep meditative state looking at the yeah. sun for hundreds of years they haven't moved i love that i think that's i think that's great and i love that's why i keep that is one of the things that i keep thinking about when thinking about the asari is that the monasteries for the ardayakshi where you because the asari very importantly are also incredibly long lived they have like a 10,000 year lifespan yeah. or something so there are parallels there and i think having a place like that number one different approaches to navigating immortality and what you do with your time particularly when it's time that has a meaning because you are religious is interesting i think also i i just think that ancient monasteries are very very cool yeah these are places where sort of like rivendell or lothlorien would be the most could be either the most spartan of places as a sign of their ascetic uh, focus yeah or the most lavishly decorated like opulent yeah it's like opulent places not even i'm not even thinking opulent like gold silver i'm thinking carvings yeah just like everything it's maximalist art or design it's everything is very extra there's just stuff everywhere because everything's been filled in there's not like new there's not new blank space to be found because they've been living there for a long time right and that kind of builds in the craftsman idea too is what do you do with time if you're just meditating on the sun maybe you'll start carving some stuff yeah well and i because I, I think you could put that kind of uh monastery you could just make that an entire city like you can make it an insulated hidden from everybody else they're immortal they don't want to deal with the bullshit of the world outside they have put themselves in like hidden themselves in a mountain with it was there's a whole city there that they exist in a self-sufficient uh, state they're the the wonder woman valkyries or whatever or you can put right. them they have an underground city that's like you know the lost city of el dorado or whatever like they they are atlantis they are like you can hide them away in some way i think they could be interesting i do want to circle back to because I, I think this notion of the immortal like the the immortal mission is really cool and i i I want us to maybe think about there's got to be some other interesting ideas that are not just that are not in the vein of our current like religious understandings you know what i mean i got one i got what what, what you got okay go for it boldly go where no man has gone before oh so they're just explorers they're just explorers they They are planar they are planar uh, explorers they are they're convinced that there's so much out there that they have to go see it all before they're done why else would they be able to do it if not yeah. to be able to see it all? That's interesting because like like our us as people in the 21st century, I'm like, it's really sad that we will probably not be able, uh, around for some of the space exploration that humans could do. Yep. Yeah. So be, why the fuck not be immortal and just do it all? That's why. Cool. Why, why else would you? And, and, and that's a that is a not 
illogical conclusion to come no, to. Why would I be logical. immortal if it weren't to do things that normal people couldn't do? Okay. And so we talked about, we did, we did talk about this during the gods of death one is like, um, if you're immortal, you're probably wondering why am I here? Like you, like you're saying, like, this seems like a logical reason. You're probably going to have a religious, like movement that starts from the premise of, cause we're trying to find the meaning of life mm -hmm. as humans. And so apply that same thing. The, the meaning of immortality what is like people are pursuing that and so you, you, then you would probably have it end up being like something like this of an impossible task of explore everything so it's the only reason that we're we're still here is our immortality can only be because we have more to explore right. because what else can it be that's cool i'm i'm digging this and that's cool and that's interesting because that is something that works just as well maybe better in a sci-fi setting than in a fantasy setting oh yeah for sure and you could use it as that'd be great for an rpg campaign where you you know you wake up and you come out of stasis lock and you are a human ship that has been discovered by a ship of traveling immortals and they are confused as to what the hell you are doing all the way out here because they were about to try flying through a black hole just to see what's in there Mm, interesting and, right and and you could use it as a way to again lore dump whenever you needed yeah as an author or a game designer or a whatever you happen to be i i, I i'm digging that explorer idea i have i have other noodles um witnesses because that's what they're here they're there to witness everything uh nice that's a that's a good name um okay so similar still in the immortal mission there's a religion that is based on the like they believe that they can die or that they can ascend to something else they're on a planet it's flat it's pretty flat i mean there's mountains or whatever oh so like earth it's, yeah like an earth-like planet they well, no, well that's flat because the shut earth the fuck is up. shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up. <laughs> all right but so like think back to um Back in the day, when we, when, you know, back in like ancient history, people would look up at, at the at the sky and they look at the stars and they would say that those were the gods. Like the gods live up there. The heavens are up there. The heavens are just at the top of Mount Olympus because Greeks couldn't climb mountains. And apply that same logic. They look up at this. They look up at the sky and they say that's if we go up there, like they see the Milky Way at night yeah. or some whatever their galaxy is, and and they say that must be where we're supposed to go, and they're building a tower the entire civilization is like centered around this like one singular purpose is to build a tower as high as they can go to get up there that's great and so like you have this central industrial project that is a a source of so much conflict and and, and it's conflict where it's, everyone's got a pretty much shared purpose but sometimes they have disagreements about how to do it they have setbacks because part of it falls it's really hot it's really high up it's hard to build so it's hard to breathe up there it's hard to breathe the difficulties of, of getting up there are so challenging and and you jump into the story where it's now so high up that everything is slowing down even further that it's you know and when you get to the top it is like they're in like the stratosphere like they're building like a one of those space elevators yeah. But, but they don't have anything where to go, to go with it. And whether or not there's anything up there at the top is irrelevant to this. But just the notion that it's all built around building their their immortality is being spent trying to accomplish one project. And what project could that be other than go go up? Go up. I love it. And you have a baked in potential catastrophe. You have one earthquake, topples the whole thing. This entire civilization is in shambles there is historical precedence for that because uh god i forget which one it was now there was a religious theorist that i read in college that talked about an aboriginal tribe it might have been Durkheim. he talked a lot about aboriginals he talked about an aboriginal tribe that for whom the importance for them they needed the center of their life and their religious life was this ceremonial pole that they carried with them because that was their anchor point and wherever they put that, that was their orientation point. That's how they determine north from south, up from down, et cetera, et cetera. And then there was a great catastrophe and the pole broke. 
and then the tribe just died because they could not live without that orientation point. Wow. And you could have something similar to that. I think I you also get into superstructures and you know how I feel about superstructures. I think that's I think they're super cool. I I love that. I think that's a uh-huh. lot of fun. So we've up until now been talking about immortality in the context of it being either a choice or some sort of biological trait where you are in the same body till the end of time. I want to talk about, we've talked about reincarnation before on the show, but we've always, but when we did do, and I think it was in the gods of death episode, but when we did it, we talked about it more from there was always an assumption and there is typically an assumption within reincarnation that you have no memory of your previous life. What if you did? What if you were reincarnation was real in your world and you were always reincarnated into another being? It could, you could, it could, if you wanted to take a karmic approach, you could say it could be dependent on whether you were good or bad, or maybe it was just another human Hmm. or humanoid equivalent life but you were born and then after a certain point i don't think you're necessarily born with your full memories but maybe you recover them or you come into them in your as, as part of your coming of age every day do you unlock the memories of that day of your previous life interesting if you're age 18 you know all the memories of your past life up to age 18 you don't know what your past life was like at 70 yet but every day like you are learning it every day so like you wake up and you're just like you just have it like fusion like just your brain just runs with what happened this this day in all my previous lives and you get all those lessons all those experiences and it doesn't necessarily give you the it it doesn't it won't give you the perspective that you would have with maturity so you still have to be an immature kid because you, right. you're only experiencing the memories of the immature version of yourself. That's very cool. And that does put a nice, easy limit on it that yeah. will make it much more interesting manageable. and manageable. Right. I like that. And it doesn't eliminate any any growth um, that you could have. This this is all kicking up memories in me. And I remember there was this I, I when I was in middle school, I, like any good nerd, I, I've read a lot of fan fiction. And there was this one story, I cannot remember who it was, who wrote it, but it was the sort of thing where genetic memories were passed on, were passed on from parent to child, but the memories didn't kick in until the parent had died. And so the child could be 17, 18, 20, 50. But whenever the parent died, then all of the, the historical memories would get passed on to that child. And so they would be different people. So like my dad's name is Bill. So I'd be like, I'm Ethan. But once Bill dies, I'm also kind of Bill. Yeah. Like I, I have all his memories. Right. So there, there is sort of that leapfrogging element. I thought that was a very cool way of doing it. I'm into this idea. And it's why the, the, the reincarnation thing came to me because you're the idea of like a, a spirit or a soul living forever, even if a body can't. Right. And they even talk about that extensively. Tolkien does that really well. And they say, you know, oh, Sauron is a spirit. He's a will. He cannot yet take physical form. I mean, okay, what the wait, hell is he? Wait, okay. Let's 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 try the inverse. The body can live on, the soul cannot. Your body is then replaced. Like your soul is replaced in your body. So you have the same set of, you know, skin sacks walking around, hmm. but you've got a whole new rotation. So you, like you can never truly judge somebody. You can never truly know somebody. Because you don't know who's inside right now. Like you don't know if that's a oh, very like invasion of the body snatchers almost a little bit. Yeah. But it's like everyone knows this happens. And maybe it's more like you do know who, that that's going to occur. Like it's not like a complete surprise. But if there's, you know, if the bodies are kind of they're they're physically able to keep going. It could but, happen even during a you know, pick a, a critical role loves their solstices, right? Like just say, oh, every winter solstice, it's it's the great soul shuffle. And everyone wakes up in a different body. Yeah. Well, that's and, fucking weird for 
every uh, every married couple is running around being like, where's my wife? Where's my husband? I don't know. Tim? Tim? There's no Tim? way to confirm. There's no I, way to I, know. I think, I think that is interesting. I don't know. Like, it's because now we're playing on the fringes of immortality for sure and not necessarily immortality. Right. How would this affect agreements? You know, if the idea suddenly of having a contract between two parties in perpetuity, that is very different. I think, okay, the legal system of a world with immortality, I think, would be very different. I think you you, you would never do into perpetuity. There would be like, it would be, it it would be illegal to sign anything. It it would be, if it says into perpetuity, it is null and void. Right. You could sign it, but then if you took it to, like, if someone duped you into signing it, but then you could take it to court, they'd be like, nah, this, this says into perpetuity. Yeah. Everything's, yeah. Like, because the repercussions are too big. Yeah. You know, the, the day to day, and I think this is a good segue back into kind of the, some of these other implications on the world itself of how it would function if people are immortal. Uh, I, I guess a key question is whether or not people need to eat. Hmm. I, I don't know. Uh, that's up to you. Of if they're immortal, if they, in a, right, so in let's physically they, they can die by like fucking up, but they won't die of old age. Then yeah, they probably need to eat because they need like they could die of starvation. So let's say that they do. What agriculture in a world with a it doesn't even need to it needs to be a sizable enough population of immortals to obviously impact agriculture if it's just one people they can live on subsistence farming fine but let's say it's sizable and this is a world where populations are growing because then suddenly you have food scarcity that is a very real problem and a long term problem yeah well and then that's when you get into magic probably um you know well, fertilizer, as we call it in this world. If you are a immortal people, you theoretically have the wisdom to see that you're overpopulating and you should stop. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, presumably overpopulation is like overpopulation is going to be such an it's such an interesting question because like in okay, so take Tolkien. Why don't why doesn't Arwen have kids? She why does. doesn't does she? Mm-hmm. No, never mind. Well, I think she only has one though before before Aragorn, Aragorn dies. Yeah, yeah. But she has the kid with Aragorn? Yeah. No, I'm talking about pre that. She's existed for a long time, pre Aragorn. Oh, I see see what you're saying. Like the generations of the elves, they're kind of just like artificial. Like they're just hand waving like, oh, well, like the older generation had some kids. And then there's all these up this this next generation just doesn't have any children. Like why? What if fertility skips a generation? Yeah. But then how does it come back? Skips generation, you're done. Shit. Yeah, good call. Fuck. Or are you? Because you're immortal. Like the the demographics. Yeah. Are really a challenge, and I I guess was pushed away from demographics. We've covered that. <laughs> um, but so, are you gonna have much war? Are you gonna have a lot of military conflict in a world where you're immortals? Because you might just say, "What's the point? We're right, gonna- we can't die." Unless you get back into that old guard world where it's like, yes, we cannot lose this war because then they are going to imprison us and throw us in the ocean and Iron Maiden. Maybe they're in everyone's immortal in this world and there is a cultural norm. And I'm taking like this is no longer like the very uh, erudite, wise talking elves. We're going with a different cultural experience here, much more barbaric where it's. You don't go to war until you're ready to die. And so war is fought among only the people who are willing, who are like ready to go. Very much I like take the Valhalla it. concept of you go to like in, in, when you decide you're ready to die, you go into war and it's believed that if you die in that context, then you go to the Valhalla-esque right. afterlife. But if you or, die in any other way, it's shameful. Or maybe it's just that that's the only way to die. Mm-hmm. sort of highlander the only way to die is to get killed by another immortal yeah maybe maybe there's uh, okay so uh, basic, i don't hate that uh this is similar that wasn't, concept. Hi- that wasn't highlander actually highlander was you had to have your head cut off no, no, no. similar to what i talked about last week in the marriage episode about you don't even get married at one place what if you can only go to war and die in one place so you're immortal on this planet unless you get and this is very much like this is straight out of a lot of video games is that there's like um like the one zone that's the pvp zone you go there like um in 
RuneScape throwback, baby. There's a place called the, the Wilderness where it's like when you go there, players can kill each other, and if you die, you drop all your stuff. The the notion that if you go to this zone of your world, this area of your world, this it's a mountain, it is a it's a crater formed by a, a meteor. There's a crater here that's huge, but it is a it is a battlefield, and people go there. They enter this this crater with the intention to die and they fight within there and it's the longer you can stay alive in there means like the higher esteem you'll have is like your legacy or whatever i like, think that's very very cool and then you could even have you could have that one crazy dude that lives in the crater and no one has taken them down ever yeah you would also have massive massive cultural implications around duels there's no duels no, but what if you could, you could, what if you could challenge someone to a duel in the crater? Oh, I, yeah, I mean, big culture implications because it means you're giving up your immortality. Right, exactly. So, and it, then suddenly you've got a, yes, this is an immortal society that is, you know, we're, again, we're very typically thinking of them as erudite, but this is a very barbaric, warlike. They are training constantly because if you get challenged to a duel, you got to accept. Interesting how much shame weighs in like because what is the shame like in foreign immoral like how, like how do you experience it in the same way because you have the perspective of time to realize everything's fleeting and everything but you but away. you also but you you're right but we are operating under the assumption as you said that this is not a you know one of these erudite societies and so for them i'm giving them more human characteristics in my head in which case you remember when you were a teenager and you thought that people would remember every single thing that you did forever? Yeah, what if people did? Interesting. So if they're people immortal... were calling you a chicken shit for the rest of your life because you didn't accept that duel. I can see it. I think shame might actually could actually be worse. Yeah, it depends on how the culture responds to that. If the culture pushes it and really like has a narrative about the shame, then yeah, that would definitely not be fun. Would people be trying to figure out what it is about the crater that allowed them to die there? Because what if there's someone who figures mm -hmm. out, oh, it's just a radioactive rock and figured out, oh, if I make a it's spear out of this stone, yeah, then guess what? I took, I, I brought the crater to you. I think it would probably be that it's considered a religious thing. I think you'd have a temple erected next to that place that is to whoever... You know, and, and this is very much in the vein of our Gods of Death episode and what we're talking about right now. So if you like, if you like this part, go back to Gods of Death too. But like, it, like there is a God of Death, the one God, because it's the only thing. It's the only thing that's like they're trying to. This is like the passage. I think I think you'd have it be religious, and thus people wouldn't be probing further than that. They would just kind of leave it as is. I don't think they would look into what, what was going uh, on. Underneath. I don't know about that. I mean, I think religious. Okay, so what other militarily like? Because there's is there another version of a military setup than that. Because we who would bother to have like? I think a chemical lot of it comes... chemical weaponry would probably be a lot bigger. Again, if we're living in this world where you cannot die, but you can be incapacitated, people would use fucked up things. They would do some really fucked up things, which is why and I speaking think people of really wouldn't... fucked up things that actually does give me something to think like how would you we've been talking a lot about population and the the implications of immortality on that how the fuck would you control for inbreeding mm. like mm -hmm. on a long enough timeline eventually you're gonna start getting you're if, gonna... you're, if you're immortal i feel like you're already crossing the threshold of different type of dna where you where you could go further and just say yeah inbreeding is impossible because yeah, you could you could just world it you absolutely yeah, could. Yeah. i'm not saying that. i'm not I, saying that you couldn't do I that think scientifically just... i think yeah you're right like there is there's no way around it like eventually you're gonna have a, uh some shit go down like it's gonna happen but yeah so that is something that very easy to just say oh well that doesn't happen that doesn't apply <laughs> and you're done we're talking about the war thing and i don't think i think the economics of immortality we haven't gotten a, a, we've we talked a little bit but I think the basic needs of people will be more met than not. And I think that will reduce the likelihood of war 
because who if, if you have an immortal world like who are you going to be exploiting like what's the point of the war hmm. what resources are you gaining who are you going to convince to go fight the war there isn't like a, a an underclass to exploit here true because there is no the 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 idea of a military industrial complex is suddenly less not unapplicable but less applicable I think it's probably not applicable. I think war is really that's why like the first thing I came up with was like you've got people go to war at the end of their lives because it's the like because they have the wisdom to know like they've been long long enough to go that seems like a really dumb idea. Why would we go maybe there has been some war in the past so now there's no war at all because everyone everybody lives with that memory because no one's going away. It's like people who who saw World War 1 would never want to go to war again. And I mean, and then it was, you know, shit happened for World War Two, whatever. But people who saw, who right. like seen war and like fought in war, are much less likely to want to go to war again. Yep, very true. You know, if you have a, a world where everybody, everybody, literally everybody, remembers what the war was like, mm-hmm. they would all say, "Wow, this is what's not really shitty. Let's never do that again. Really dumb." And then because there isn't an economic need necessarily for expansion and for uh you know exploitation well and it's not even economic need but i mean think of how many what did we learn in school how many wars are started because of security threats if you are suddenly much more secure because your life is not as much at risk then i see i then then the need for war would be far diminished see i think you would still see war i absolutely think you would still see war i think that i i don't think that there's ever a way to fully be done with that. I think the circumstances around it would be very different, though. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fair enough. That's a, that's a fair point. I would, and you were as you were talking, I was thinking about the fact that politics, like the political gains, like security threat, any political situation. If everyone's immortal, you have that long term thinking that you have that perspective that will like you can be out of power for a couple of decades it doesn't matter right it's a, you're gonna be back it's, it's a like, lot of people playing the long game another lord of the rings thing from rings of power the one of the most interesting things that that show did is the only interesting thing was was elrond and durin and durin yeah. was like oh, so, was so angry good. at him for disappearing and it was like 20 years and to elrond that's nothing because right. he's an elf Right. And to hit to Duren, that's a fuck ton. And it's that insulting. That, it's that thinking of what's 20 years. It's nothing. Right. The blink. So being out of power, losing power, however it happens, whether it's through war or through just political maneuvers, you're going to be a lot more chill about it if you will be around for a whole lot longer. Yeah, absolutely. So like that's impo- like any political conflict in an immortal world is going to have a, a very interesting tone because it's not going to be as it's going to be. I mean, if you want to understand what long-term political thinking is, look at Chinese foreign policy mm-hmm. because their entire, the entire approach to China's foreign policy since the great leap forward has been about a generational shift in foreign policy. It's not about like short-term four four-year terms. Right. It's about like this country over a generation. What are our, what are our goals? And they right. do that really well. It's a grand strategy that is that they're totally okay with with not being the generation in power to reap the rewards because it's about the long game. Right. And, and don't worry, it'll come soon. Yeah. Yeah. And but I mean, you could even have that be like the creed that they say to each other. It's like it soon comes. Sure. And But if everybody has that thinking, is everyone just really chill about everything? Or Maybe. are people are people like, do you have? game of thrones conniving if everyone has that long-term perspective of okay well like yeah he's on the iron throne now but like i don't know we're both gonna be around here for fucking ever i'll i'll get it back at some point but does that just bring us back to to immortals as nihilists Hmm. right like that's that's where i'm sort of I'm, i'm intrigued by bringing in the more mortal or human way of thinking because i also think it could be really you could even do have something like that where it is you are having people constantly trying to outwit each other but because it's all immortal 
it's actually becoming like a comedy of errors almost mm. because yeah. it's just everyone thinking in these 100 200 300 thousand year lifespans yeah and so they're getting obsessed over these tiny minutiae that have these long-term implications and it, it it's it's a, it's there's actual opportunity for comedy there we're like these you know we all yeah. laugh and we all joke about uh pun intended uh you know the joker's plan in the dark knight made like absolutely no sense or the plans in or lex luther's plan in batman v superman or the the whatever his name was baron zemo's plan in uh captain america civil war like they all required such things insane things to happen so specifically and exactly were the right time in order to succeed i think that everyone would be trying to plan like that yes and it just takes like one just regular dude who's like wait well i'm just gonna like do something now right like every, everyone would lose because he's just like yeah i'm just i'm just walking yeah i'm just sort walking of like, and take a seat sort of like the opposite it's it's almost the inverse of that movie idiocracy where where he's the only smart one what if you're the only dumb one <laughs> yeah like oh no we have all these decorum and everything that we need to follow it's like all right well i'm gonna go sit on the throne yeah and be king oh no well, you can't do that why are, are y'all gonna stop me <laughs> if you're the one mortal in an immortal world I don't know. I don't know where to go. I don't know. It's, 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 but it's just fun to think about. So I think that is all the news we have for today. Uh, Ethan, what stuck for you? I really loved your idea about, um, the crater being the only place people can die. Hmm. And I think that has really fascinating storytelling. And I, I think that's just great. I think the character of the one guy that lives at the bottom of the crater. And he's insane and a very, very good fighter and nobody can beat him. And the duels and the everything, I think that's just a very cool. I think that's just very cool. I'm going to be thinking about that for a very long time. What about you? The immortal mission is a, is a notion. The, I think the is Samara what, thing. Yeah, with just like any like and I, I, we come up with a few ideas um, that I really enjoy. I I really like the building the tower um, to get up yeah. to the to get up into the sky i yeah i just i like the notion that if we're, if you're gonna have a, a bunch of immortals have them be immortal for a reason or at least yeah. they they think it's for a reason right. and rather i think that's the solution to make it work in a world building context otherwise if everybody's immortal otherwise it's just it is a little difficult to to figure out so many different elements of it if, if you give them a purpose you kind of corral them together and you don't have to have the long drawn out debate in your head that we me and ethan had about do they go to war or not because you they have another purpose they're not interested in that and it's a very logical one yeah exactly where yeah well that's what stuck for us uh let us know what stuck for you thanks for listening good bye